City, Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is the USA Volleyball Show. And here are your hosts, Clarence Hughes and Steven Munson. Stop laughing, Stevie. <laughs> you threw it's me too off. Much. <laughs> Just, as soon as you started shaking your head, I couldn't hold it. Oh my god! It's gonna keep uh, getting longer and longer until I'm it's go- like. Entire episode is just that. <laughs> I'm going for the record here. You messed it up. I don't know how many seconds that was, but um, yeah, magic number episode 19. What's up? 19. Wow, 19. wow, big one nine. I, I feel like it was like just yesterday, like when we started this podcast, and we we uh, first week we we had three episodes, uh, mm-hmm. kind of kind of gearing up for the Olympic Games, and now we're we're here at episode 19, approaching. 20 episodes that's incredible even before that the pilot episode that was a lot oh of yeah uh-huh. even it was just talking about what's gonna happen and just like all the planning that came before all that too like we've been thinking about this for a long time and and here we are 19 episodes in really cool Done live episodes from tokyo from girls international championships uh a lot wow. of great a lot of great stuff yeah um and speaking of great stuff we got a big episode today, a long one, but it's all great. It's a great conversation. Not as long had. as my intro. But <laughs> Not as long cool. as the intro, yeah. But it's a great conversation. Um, so let's just jump right in. Uh, but before we get into our guest, uh, just wanted to shout out to a previous guest, April Ross and her partner, Alex Kleinman, got bronze at the FIVB World Tour Finals. Uh, also, congratulations to a couple more previous guests, too. Jordan Larson being named the Women's Sports Foundation Sportswoman of the Year mm-hmm. for Team Sport. Uh, and congratulations to Kaleo McClay as well for receiving the Child Care Grant, a uh, power of She Fund grant designed to support female athletes with children. Uh, the power of the uh, power of She Fund. Sorry. The power of She Grant was established by Athleta in partnership with the Women's Sports Foundation. So a couple great honors there uh, for a couple of our previous guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, if you haven't already, go listen to episode 18 with Olympic gold medalist Todd Rogers. Uh, Todd was just inducted into the International Volleyball Hall of Fame on Saturday. Uh, Todd talks about his career coaching beach volleyball, uh, gives some great advice and tips for playing beach at the highest level, too. So and we even added a, a fun clip uh, where we surprised Todd a few months ago <laughs> before uh, before the episode, before we actually had the conversation with him. But we surprised him and, and told him that he was going to be inducted. And he had a, just a great reaction to that. He had no idea that was coming. So really cool. Um, definitely check that out. And congratulations again to Todd, as well as Logan, Tom and Clay Stanley. Man, that that reaction, I don't know if we'll ever get a, a better one if we ever do something like said that. Said it again. before. Like, that yeah, was just so genuine. We talked yeah. about it before, like again, but I just have to bring that up again. But yeah. speaking of Hall of Famers, we have an incredible guest here today who will no doubt be in the Hall of Fame someday. USA Volleyball Director of Officials, Patty. Rolf. If you're in the volleyball community, you've probably heard or ran into Patty at some point in time. You probably know her personally. You've probably seen her on TV or, like I said before, just heard of her legendary name. Patty is a trailblazer for women in sports, particularly in 
the volleyball community and and in officiating. Her resume can fill a series of novels. She can talk about anything and you will be drawn in from jump. But her most recent accomplishment was becoming the first female head referee on an all-female officiating crew in an Olympic men's volleyball match. So we'll talk to Patty about that and much more from her collegiate career to officiating to what she does in her day-to-day -day USA Volleyball as a director of officials and so much more in between the lines. She shares some of her favorite moments and stories on the job, how to become an official, and so much more. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Here's Patty. Thank you. Like Clarence said, thank you again for taking the time to sit down with us. You're busy. You, you know, we're all busy right now. It's a crazy time. Uh, even crazy. with, even with Tokyo past us and I know who saying that too. welcome, welcome back from Tokyo. Thank you. Um, let's just start off, you know, for the fans, the listeners who you don't know, you don't know your story. Can you just take us through, um, you know, your career, uh, your path to, to kind of where you are now? Well, you know, it's it's a it's a long winding path and I don't want it to be that long of a story. I mean, it's really odd that I ended up where I was. Right. Originally, you know, I always say uh, people end up where they are because they want to be an athlete first. You know, we all want to play the game. And that's what I did. I tried to play the game as much as I could. I played on every team I could. I played morning to night. I played on multiple teams in the same day. It was not good, but hilarious all at the same time. Um, I played on multiple clubs. I loved every minute of playing all sports. And then even I was at my I was at my 40th reunion, Hopkins High School reunion uh, this weekend, which was a blast. And everybody said, like, how did you get into volleyball? I didn't didn't even know you liked volleyball. And it was funny because I came to volleyball very late, not until like uh, until 10th grade, pretty much, where I had this great coach. Again, I always repeat his name, Glenn Litsky, the famous juniors coach out of Austin, coached at Texas as an assistant back in the day. And he really kind of like. It just changed my life. He was the most amazing coach. He had the most amazing energy. And then I thought, oh, my God, I love this coach and I love my teammates. And then I joined the club in, in 12th grade. And then my best sports were really softball and basketball. I was recruited at Minnesota uh, for softball and at uh, North Dakota State for basketball and was recruited at very few places for volleyball. And I ended up getting a scholarship at North Dakota State in basketball and played volleyball. So it's really interesting that I gave up my best sport, I think probably because I played since a baby and then focused on volleyball. And then from there, to make the story shorter, um, you know, I continued to play, tried to play pro, tried to make the Olympic team. But back in those days, they didn't have the Libro. That's my biggest regret. What was that Libro back in the 80s? <laughs> and because uh, I'm, you know, I'm about five, seven and a half, five, eight. And then uh, I had a great time, just played in incredible teams, played with a lot of pro players for a couple of years, but couldn't generate the revenue, right? I couldn't bring, there just wasn't pay for me and, and my family. I had a son. So then I went into coaching, right? So I went to Duluth, Marquette, East Carolina, had 25 years of college coaching, but all that time I was refing. And I always say to people, don't underestimate the power of these side jobs, you know, you volunteer here, you do some work yeah. there. Um, uh, that side job I was doing, I was continuing to ref in collegiate games and Big Ten, Big 12, all these other conferences. Then I went down the international track and got my certification. And it was always just going to be for fun. Um, but then when I retired, I thought, hey, what the heck? Um, after 25 years of coaching, let's see where this goes. So I started to really focus in. And then that's where things took off. I was able to really put the put the hours in just like an athlete needs to do. And it generated that ability to really get to this next level. Um, I went to every event I could. You know, we say uh, there's a term in the National Association of Sports Officials that say it says yes to officiating. So I literally said yes to any event I could go to. I'd be gone for nine months sometimes 
traveling all over everywhere. I mean, places that you don't even know the names of in the U.S. and abroad. And uh, it just really got me in a great position to know a lot of people, um, officiate from little baby kids up to the big kids. And then uh, today now being able to be the director of officials because of that officiating and having some of these really amazing events I got to go to. Yeah, I think uh, so. I, I can't remember. I think it was a volleyball mag article. And I think it was like right before you got to Tokyo, went to Tokyo uh, yeah. to officiate was done. It was a feature story about you and you had, yeah. you had said that you'd started officiating or kind of found out about working, uh, working matches, officiating matches while playing collegiately. Yeah. Well, I was a collegiate club player. So I still remember Glenn Lesky was my coach and I was on this really incredible elite club team. There were only about 2000 girls playing club volleyball when I started. Think about that. Only 2000. Right now there's oh, wow. 375,000. Yeah. So I was on, I was a, a lucky group that was out of Minneapolis. This club was made up of five States, mm-hmm. North and South Dakota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. And it was coached by four guys. And I was one of the 24 girls. And when we went to our first tournament, don't remember where it was at, we would referee our own games in pool play. And then they'd bring in a professional referee for the playoffs. And I remember my coaches who were young guys said, hey, who wants to ref? And there were complete crickets, not one word. (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know, I was a good player on this team, but I was not the best. There were some major players on this team, players at Texas, Oklahoma, just all these elite players. And I was like, you know, in the middle. And I thought there's no better way to make friends than to do something nobody else wants to do. I would say I wasn't dumb. So I said, I'll do it. And then the coach is like, ah, awesome. And uh, I said, yes. And then my teammates were like, oh, thanks, Patty. Thanks for doing it. And then I ended up at the age of 18 starting roughing club. And then when I actually started roughing, I really enjoyed it. I thought this is fun. I get to rough teams. I get to be way up here and listen to everybody and learn a lot. I really learned a lot as a player by roughing. And then of course um, it helped me in the sense that, you know, are they going to get rid of a player that, you know, does all the things no one else wants to do. So um, I kept, I kept doing it all the way through Um, paid for college bills, paid, you know, help me pay, um, uh, work my way through that. And then I just continued it as I went off to when I was coaching college and just kept roughing even then. Actually, it's interesting because when I went to Duluth, our budget was so tiny. We had the tiniest little recruiting budget you've ever seen. And in order to go to events, there was no money. So then if I went to ref at a junior national championship, it would pay for me to go. And then I could recruit all these players. So back in those days, I would arrange to ref a morning wave and then um, recruit in the afternoon. So it really did provide just incredible uh, opportunities for me to do multiple things. That's 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 an amazing story. And I just kind of want to tie this into uh, the first time I had the opportunity to meet you in person, which was uh, back at our Sunshine a classic qualifier in uh, in Orlando, yeah. and uh, I'm working the championship desk, and you know, talking to and meeting all these officials, and every other conversation is just like, oh my god, like I j- I got a chance to speak to Patty, you know, Patty this, Patty that, like you are a legend across like all of this, and I just want to tie this into you know the most recent uh, you know Tokyo Games you just came from, you you and Steve actually both were there, you know, doing very different jobs and you know responsibilities, but you know you were there and. You know, just you had the opportunity to be the head referee on, you know, the first all female officiating crew for, you know, one of the men's Olympic matches. So just talk us through that experience and, you know, how that feels from, you know, you 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 walking us through your intro to refing all the way up into this very significant uh, accomplishment. 
Yeah, no, it's crazy. People say, you know, where do you come from? You think I would have come out of California to get to that point where volleyball was really a hotbed back in the 80s. You know, it's funny to say, well, I really came out of North Dakota, which is crazy or Minnesota. And uh, no, I have no idea, to be honest with you. You know, I, I, you know, I think what ended up happening really when I think about all the years in it is that I was just treated so well, you know, and I, you know, I appreciate you saying that like, oh my gosh, Patty, like at my reunion, people were coming up to me and I was a little bit shy when I was in high school. Um, I wouldn't say I, I was not good. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it. <laughs> also, just so you guys know, I could barely speak in high school. Like people would say, my gosh, you're so social now. And I'm like, I know I've changed so much. But <laughs> people would come up and, and uh, one, one thing, one of the boys said to me, one of the, the, I just remember Steve Dahl, famous, famous athlete and still now just incredible, his family. But he was like the star. He was the captain of the, the football team. I remember him. I always remember. I mean, first of all, I would never have spoke to him in high school. There's, I would have probably dropped it and fainted because he was just so amazing. But he came up to me with this other buddy of mine, Kyle, and he goes, Patty, I just never realized what a trailblazer you were. You were always just such a down-to-earth girl. And I remember thinking to myself, that is the nicest thing that anybody could say to another person. And I think what's critically important, really, is the fact that um, – I have never forgotten that the only reason I am where I am right now is because of all my great coaches, all my great mentors. And to be honest with you, just my buddies, um, you know, I've made so many great friends. I'm not. And one thing that helped me with is coaching. I don't think I did such a good job coaching. I think I was way too focused on being a great coach. I wanted to have winning teams. I love winning. I love like the competition. I loved like what it all meant, but it's officiating. I never approached officiating in that way. I never thought, oh, I want to referee the Olympic games. I, I want to be on this big game so that look at me. Um, I must tell you, I had a bit of an ego as a coach until I got older and kind of um, some tough things happened to me. And I realized, you know, the really the, the reason I'm here is to be here for the girls. I was always there for the women, but I still had a bit of me in there wanting to be that athlete. I, you know, I want to win. I want to show what we can do, but it really should have been about them more. And that evolved over time here, though, probably the last five or six years, I really kind of figured it out. But in fishing, I always understood that. And it's uh, fascinating because when you're talking about these people, many of these people I've reffed with that, you know, they'll ref with me and they go, oh my gosh, I feel like you're just a regular ref. And the reality is, is that we are all just regular refs. Even I, I mean, even I, when people make this big deal out of this, you know, I was the first woman to R1 with my female crew um, at that match, right? And no woman R1 after that match. That was the only match and woman R1 in the Olympic Games, which is sad and amazing all at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I didn't feel that when I was in it. I felt like, you know, being an American female, we're, we're treated so well here in our country. I mean, there's a lot of challenges we still have in many areas for women, for, for, uh, you know, the black lives matter movement in the LBG uh, movement, all these other major elements where people are kind of underrepresented and they shouldn't be because they're as qualified as anybody else. But it's amazing in America that, you know, we, as women, particularly when I was at North Dakota state, I have to tell you at North Dakota state, I never thought in all my experience within that athletic department that I was not as good as any other of the guys in that department. I mean, everybody went to everybody else's games. We were treated um, 100% equally. I know that isn't the case because I've coached at other departments and that wasn't the case. But it's funny how I came out of there with this element that, you know, I can do anything, and especially in officiating. I was treated so well by my colleagues and by my coaches and mentors that, you know, my most amazing of friendships come out of officiating. I mean, literally it's in, and, and why that is, I don't know. And a lot of the coaching you're talking about Clarence at sunshine, I coached against them. I, cause I was a juniors coach. I ran a club for about 10 mm -hmm. years, coached juniors, coached juniors, 
when I was coaching here at Marquette, even when I was roughing as just a pure rough, I was coaching Milwaukee Sting, Wisconsin Juniors. I coached in Colorado when I was there. You guys are probably unaware of that. And uh, so I met a lot of junior coaches. So I really think it's about being like so involved in the game. And then when you get to this moment where you're at this Olympic game and roughing the guys, um, it's just wonderful that women across the world can look and say, okay, I can do that too. Because that isn't the case in other countries either. I mean, particularly in the U.S., it's important. But, you know, I refereed in the VNL, uh, uh, Iran. And, you know, it, Iran is televised, broadcast all over Iran. They're, they're the biggest thing. Volleyball is huge in Iran. And the fact that they're watching the game, men and women, they're going, hmm, look, at there's a, a woman on the stand. And that's unheard of. So I just uh, really was proud to be able to, uh, to represent uh, women and the United States, to be honest with you, in these moments. So I kind of want to go off of uh, what you said there um, and just ask you uh, just really quickly, like, you know, what advice do you have for, you know, young women who are looking to take that next step into, uh, you know, just beginning to officiate and, you know, just really starting to venture into that world of officiating? I mean, I think that's an important question, Clarence. We just had an international referees meeting last night with all of our international referees, and they were talking about their experience at some of the events across the world this last year. And some of them had very challenging events. Some of them had events where the assigned, they were at a men's event and they were the only female there. Ours, U.S. referee was the only female there, which was awesome uh, that we sent a female. But she said, you know, you know, I, I, I had a hard time because they never would assign me as an R1 where all the guys were getting all these R1 matches. And that's not, you know, that that can happen in our country as well, in certain parts of this country where maybe equality isn't as quite as strong. Or maybe people just don't have a belief that this young woman is as strong as somebody else because of whatever personality trait she's bringing forward. So what has to happen, though, in my mind, and what women, particularly women or underrepresented groups in officiating, I mean, think about our, our for example, our African-American population. We have just, I mean, we're less than like, three percent, five percent right now. And that's it. That's ridiculous. Um, we have many groups that are uh, African-American women, the worst and ridiculous, because right now we certified a number of African-American women at our national championships um, for junior nationals. And they're amazing referees. And of course they are. But they have to be put forward or they're not going to or they're not going to be there. Right. So I think it's so important for women or someone who feels like, man, I just feel like I'm an outsider here that. It's that you have to be resilient. I mean, that was a word that we use repetitively. You got to be resilient and you got to bend because what happens is some people become like, I'm if, if this isn't going to go the right way or if they're not treating me the right way or if, if I don't feel I'm being assigned the right way, I'm done because it's not fair. But the, the problem that we have when you take yourself out of the group, then you have no way to influence the group. Does that make sense? I've always said to people, you can make change from outside. There's no question about it. But I would argue, gentlemen, uh, and everybody that's listening, you make more change from within. Um, You can force change from the outside. But if you run for school board, if you run for office, if you become the president of a company or the country or officiating, if you become president of USA Volleyball or president of the FIB Refereeing Commission, or if you become a referee that moves to the next level, you can become an influencer. So um, to make it shorter, sorry, Clarence, because this is a bigger issue for everyone. This is not just officiating. It's to say, stay in the game. And sometimes you just got to keep forging ahead and work for change, knowing that there's going to be change. You have to have faith and hope that there's going to be change. And we had a number of our referees saying, boy, this was the this was the worst experience I've ever had. And I'm saying, don't quit. 
I beg you, just we're working on change from within. We're working on um, uh, more opportunities for you guys. And we have a group of people that are working quietly and strongly to create opportunities for you. And they're and, and positive. We're hopeful that all these people are going to see that um, there's so much potential in the world um, for these underrepresented groups. And they're going to come around. There's just a lot of, you know, there's a lot of cultural issues that we have to work through in in uh a lot of areas of the world that we just have to work through and have and have them have faith in the fact that um, it's going to be okay and it's going to work out. That is incredible. Thank you so much for for sharing that. I think that's really important. And like you said, more than just volleyball and, and officiating. Uh, yeah, because some everything. people say, yeah, and Stephen, some people say, well, I can't do it. You know, I I I would argue that you can. You know, people say we can't run for us; it's too much. You'd be shocked that it's not. I mean, I ran for office once, was served for about six years on the school board, and it literally, I was scared when it first happened. I actually kind of said yes when I didn't mean to say yes. There was a giant chanting of about 400 people say run for school. I was giving a speech at a parent thing and everybody started chanting run for school board. And I don't know what happened. Of course, I'm a sports person. <laughs> and I don't know what happened. I went, I'm running. And then my husband goes, what have you just done? And I said, I don't know what just happened there. And uh, and then he goes, this is the dumbest thing you've ever could have done. And I said, well, let's just see what happens. Right. I'm not going to get stressed. I'm going to see what happens. Oh, yeah. And when I uh, when I won, whoever would have thought that. And then uh, when I was in it, whatever this thing was, I was surprised at how much fun I had. People think some of these jobs are like horrific. Fishing's horrible or running for school boards, horrible or running for, you know, you'd be shocked at how much fun it is. And again, the say yes to things that you may think, oh, I don't think this is for me. I would say, try it, do it. And then if it's not for you, you can always, after a certain amount of time, just, you know, exit out. But at least you were in it trying to influence these changes that I think um, can have incredible impacts on your your own life and then everybody else around you. So you talked earlier about, you know, the officiating community and the volleyball community uh, and being in that. Uh, you just said, you know, uh, people on the outside think, you know, officiating not going to be fun. Um, but you've had a great career at officiating, a long career, had a lot of fun, a lot of success. A um, lot of fun. Why should, you know, people, um, anyone, you know, think about getting into officiating? Because it's fun. This I'm going to tell you a couple of stories here. So some people thinking when you, when you have a bad experience with somebody, you think, oh, that was horrible. I think it's interesting. Conflict to me is interesting. All right. Uh, you know, I think we have to look at conflict differently. I was in the middle of Italy, uh, Brazil versus I think it was Germany. I can't quite remember, but I know Brazil because in the middle of the match, there was a play at the net. And I'm going to tell you what happened. There was a, I was R2 play at the net. Setter went up for um, for Brazil. And then there was something something happened up there. And that's not important. But it, but it, there was a big challenge. And then the one of the players for Germany uh, did something. And then the setter for Brazil. Um, I love this guy. He turned around and kind of did something back. Right. And I was watching. I thought and I, I kind of leaned over to the setter and went, hey, you know, easy now. Right. Because we want to eliminate this. So we're supposed to step in and say, hey, hey, calm down. And then uh, he wouldn't. He kept looking at the other guy, made, made a couple uh, kind of uh, subliminal gestures. And then I kind of stepped forward. And then the captain came out of the uh, out of the off the court and came came in right at me. He got by the way, he was about from like right now, I'm two feet from the screen. That's how close he was to me. Wow. And then he pulls his mask down. And he go and it was really it was amazing. He goes, you don't know. That's all he said. He looks at me like he goes, you don't know. And I went, I don't. Nope, you don't. And I went, 
okay. And he goes like this and he puts his hand up, like he smiled and then he walked away. And I went out of all that, what he was trying to tell me is I didn't see something happened that I didn't see. And mm. I don't know what was really going on. Mm. And mm -hmm. then please back out of this, like stay out of this. Cause you don't know what's going on. And instead of taking it in a negative way, like he was telling me I'm not very bright. I took it in a positive way and said, that was really cool what he just did there. And I backed up and went, I get what you're saying, because this has happened to me as an athlete, right? People don't know what's going on. So coach mm -hmm. comes after me and I said, you don't have any idea what's going on here. Cause you this never guy see just, what initiates it, you know? No, right. right. And, I, yeah, yeah. and that was a moment of conflict that I chose to look in a positive way. I've had guys come to me and say, that's horrible. And I go, it was. It was horrible and I'm so sorry. Rather than going, God, I can't believe you just yelled at me for making a bad call, just call it what it is, right? So I think as we start to deal with conflict, people have a hard time like dealing with their own errors, own own mistakes. You know, they don't like people yelling at them. I kind of embrace people yelling at me. I go, okay, yell at me. I understand why you're angry. That wasn't a great call, but remember, we can't go that far. I'm gonna have to give you a yellow card. And I think it's this element of managing conflicts, like police officers, this de-escalation. I really think this is something that's gotta be taught in schools. I really do think as young kids, we need to handle the concept of de-escalation. We're in conflict or, or something negative is happening, or, or, or maybe you know we deserve something, but how it's being handled is poor. How do we de-escalate? And I think that helps. And I don't know where that came from for me. I don't know how it became something that I was able to kind of transform into my own officiating, but I had a lot of really good coaches and I watched a lot of really good refs. But I think for me, uh, fundamentally, that is what generated my ability to uh, referee where no matter really what's going on and people can even come after me. I mean, they kind of come towards me in a pretty serious way where I'm able to say, Hey, what's making you so angry at me? And then they're able to stop and like reflect and go, okay, this is what you're really ticking me off about. And we have a conversation and then we try to say, we'll fix this. We're going to work hard never to have this happen again. And I think to me, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate high of being a ref. Like, can we generate a game for you, for the athletes, for the coaches that says, okay, I know she's doing her best and, uh, and it's pretty darn good. And she's listening to us. And that's, I think all anybody ever wants, whether you're an employee, I mean, you guys, whether you've been an employee, right. If we're working for USA volleyball, as long as you're being heard. And I think in an officiating standpoint, if we can get officials to, um, understand this and then they get, it's amazing how many coaches come up to me, even at the games. When I went to the Olympic games, I walked in and one of the, one of the older coaches said, it's great to see you back here. I thought you were done. And I'm like, no, I'm, I go, no, I'm, this is it. This is my last one. He goes, well, you know what? You're one of my favorite people. And I was like, that's nice. Now, whether they're telling the truth or not, but you can kind of see in the eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's nice. He goes, no, you, you're you, you always treat us well. So it was a great feeling. And I think those are the moments where I take. I mean, and then, of course, he's yelling at me about 20 minutes later. <laughs> that. But at least I know, hey, the, the guy appreciates my work, even though he doesn't appreciate every moment of my work. And the thing is, I don't need that kind of thing. And I think many of our referees don't. But people are afraid to get to that point. You know, once you get to know people and that's what refing, you got to start refing. And the first year or two isn't going to be so easy because people don't know you. But once you start building friendships and they are friendships um, with your coaches and players, then it just starts to level out. And then it really is amazing. You just meet amazing people. I've met the most amazing people. I can't even tell you. 
Turkey, the Turkey captain this year at the Olympics, I, she put her arms around me and hugged me. Uh, and I didn't know this was coming because kids, be, uh, captains don't hug you. I've never been hugged in my life. <laughs> and she just, she just reached out. She was bawling. She had just lost to Korea to get to the semis. And she yeah. reached out and she hugged me. She goes, we're going to miss you. You're my, you're, you're, you're one of the, my favorite women. And I was like, and then I just started crying because she was, I can't, you know, when someone else is crying, I can't not cry. And, uh, and it was amazing. I was like, this is the most amazing thing that nobody gets to see except for me. Right. It was cool. It was just so cool. What a cool moment. That's, I know <laughs> that's so cool. It was a cool but, moment, especially when all of a sudden my water was flying out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was just so insanely crazy in, in the best way. Like you've talked us through literally three separate scenarios that you've, you know, just encountered officiating and, you know, just, it's like a learning opportunity and it's just uh, a point of influence and, and all the above. And you know, I just kind of want to, you know, shift gears just a little bit and just, to, yes. and just ask you like how you apply all of that to your current role here at USA Volleyball as director of officials and, you know, what that looks like, you know, during your day to day and, you know, how you're able to influence and how you're able to make that continuous impact, you know, from these experiences you've taken from officiating to, you know, being the head entree here at USA Volleyball as far as, you know, just overseeing everything. No, I think that's a great segue, to be honest with you. You know, I, I really do think the fundamental laws of the universe are loving kindness and empathy. I, I don't think there's any other way to live, even though there's moments where I'm not 100% on the right path either. But I really do think in the in the element of international officiating, in the element of Norseka officiating, ready right, just at the Norseka level, because there's so many countries that are suffering poverty in Norseka, and they need empathy. They need us to help them. Um, to to and referees and teams, for example, how how does a team out of out of Haiti fund a team to go to an event? They have they're just that country's completely shut down. So getting to your point about USA volleyball. You know, we have referees about 10,000 total, a little over 10,000 referees at all levels. And then at the, at the national level referees, we've got about uh, 1,500 scorers, referees. And, you know, what we try, what we tried to bring when I came in in 2018, it was interesting because they asked me a final question on that interview. And I remember I said to my husband before the interview, I said, I don't know, but I want to say that I want to bring loving kindness to officiating. And then my husband, being a man, sorry, guys, but he kind of went, Ooh, are you sure you want to finish with that? And I said, I do, because that's what I'm going to do. I mean, that's all I'm focused on, because I think if you can bring loving kindness and empathy, people will stay in the game. They just they need you to know that you care about them. And referees need to know that their director and all of USA Volleyball um, uh, operations cares about them and wants them at events and wants to take care of them. And then coaches want them there. So I ended it with, uh, and I can see the faces at the interview. I said, I want to bring loving kindness back to officiating. And I remember they said, oh yeah, cool. Awesome. You know? And then I hung up and I really got, I, I honest to God, guys, I said, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> I don't think I'm the job because they were like, kind of, it was awkward for a minute. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got a call back that said, Hey, you got the job. And I was like, I literally was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I was sweating. And then they said, you know, I want you to know that, you know, when you said you wanted to bring loving kindness back to officiating, that was it for us. And I was like, Oh my I, gosh. I said, I'm so glad because that gives me permission now to go to do it. And that's what we did. I mean, even in that this pandemic, we had so many referees that just weren't able to rep this year. And the reality is if you you can't ref or you can't pay your dues or you can't do this or you fail your exam. There's a lot of consequences. I actually, at one point, uh, not too many years ago, got a letter that was, I mean, I had failed my exam for gosh sakes. 
And it happens to all of us, everyone. I failed my USA exam because there's a lot of conflicting rules. NCAA has rules, FIVB has rules, USA has rules. And I got some rule sets mixed up. And of course, you know, I probably waited till the last minute to do a great job there and took my test. But I remember I failed and I got a letter from a person that was um, in charge. And actually, it's interesting because it's not the person you'd think it would be that said, very disappointing, blah, blah, blah. You won't be able to officiate the national championships. Um, We expect more from you. And it was pretty intensely critical of me. And I was like, I literally was so upset. I was crying. And I, by the way, this was maybe 10 years ago. I wasn't 30, you know? And I remember thinking nobody should get a letter like this. So I actually sent the letter back and said, can you write me a letter that just tells me the facts and take out all this other stuff? Because I don't need this. I already feel bad enough. And so the letter came back, all that stuff was gone. It says, because you failed your test, these are the consequences. That's it. And I remember saying to myself, this should never happen to a person, a professional person that's basically taking their free time and trying to help. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we came in and said, you know, Clarence, if you call me and say, hey, Patty, um, I screwed up this. I'm like, Clarence, listen, we don't care what you screwed up. Please, God, don't quit. What do you need from us? Tell me what you want. Tell me what we can do for you. And we make it happen. And uh, with ourselves and our region, we were working with all the regions to say, you can't let, or if someone's having a baby, I remember a woman couldn't, uh, she was nursing and then some conflicts happened and she couldn't make it to a major thing. She had to be to to certify as a junior national. I called her, her uh, person and said, you got to help here. I don't know if you've ever nursed a baby before. This was a guy, but it's not easy. And you have to help me. Is there any way she can miss this one? Because there's a there's an element that's happening that she's got to take care of. And then we can do something else. And he said, absolutely. But women are afraid to ask for help because women, you know, the, and men, you, you know, we all want to, uh, people to think we can do it all. But the reality is you can't. And we've opened the door for them to say, call us. And you you guys would be surprised at what people talk to me about. I am shocked every day when people call me and say this is happening in their lives. Um, can I have a sabbatical? And uh, and there's stories after stories of just things that are really tough happening in people's lives. And I think ultimately that's what we brought to USA Volleyball and to our operations of uh, officials is just the element that um, you are bigger than anything else that's happened. You as an individual are more important than any event we run, than anything that we do. And I think ultimately once an athlete, a coach, uh, a ref knows that People care about them more than everything else. Um, I think when employees are treated well and treated at the highest level in an operation, when you treat your employees well, they'll treat everybody else well. And I do think that the fundamental of every business lies in their employees. And and I know that our refs aren't our employees, but they're our ICs. And I think if we treat our ICs um, as if they're like extremely precious, which to me they are, then that changes the game for us. And then we get incredible um, loyalty, I think, uh, hard work and ethic and just a friendship, I think, that really I th- it, uh, we believe is is changing the the feeling of officiating across the country. Now the key is we got to get more young people to believe that now and get in there and to get coaches and fans to realize, listen, we've got to start treating each other better, particularly our referees, or it's not going to get better. You're not going to get better referees because these folks aren't going to do it. I love that. Loving kindness to officiating. Uh, Just that mantra uh, is amazing because like you said at the end there, you, you know, athletes, parents, club coaches listening uh officials are people too and mm-hmm. and we need to love them we need to be kind to them they're they're just people just like you and me um, right 
And the reality I would tell the parents, like you're saying that this, this fundamental view that I say, that's the coaches. When I, when I used to coach, I go, if you're a club coach and you're not treating your players, well, let me ask you what's going to happen. Players are going to quit. Yeah. Then the question of what's the next level of player that's going to come play for you. Word's going to get out. Then you're not going to get the strongest players because they're all going someplace else. Then the quality of your players is are going to drop because you have less volume, right? Of people to pick from no different than re for referees. Parents and coaches need to understand when you treat referees poorly, even if they're doing a poor job, people say, well, they deserve it. And I go, you know what? They do deserve it. They aren't doing well. But your way of deserving it means I say they deserve more loving kindness because when you're not doing well, you need you need to treat them even better because then they need to say, because by the way, they already know they're not doing well. They feel horrible. And when you say, hey, it's OK, we know, you know, we know you're struggling, um, you know, just know that we're here for you. They'll go, OK, I can calm down. I can just keep trying to work harder. But if you really uh, give them a hard time, which we've been doing now the mm -hmm. last 10 years, they're going to go, hey, even my daughter, after one year, she said, mom, this is ridiculous. She quit. So many people are, have quit in the past because of this treatment they're giving. And then they quit. And then the next level of people coming up is not your volume is a smaller, fewer people to choose from, then your referees that are coming to your team to rep your games is even lower the quality. So you're not yep. helping yourself. And we have to get that to the coaches and the parents is that when they're not performing well, treat them better. And this is a challenge to them. Treat them better. Say, hey, we know you're struggling. We're not going to yell at you. We'll, we'll zip it. We'll keep our mouth shut and uh, and let you try to work through it. And uh, and just, you know, we tell coaches, just just let the head ref know. And then the head ref can come over and help that person rather than uh, rather than creating more challenges. Like this summer, first time, I'll tell you a story. First time this ever happened. I was walking by a match and I saw this very big man. And I mean, he was six four, six five, Big guy screaming at the R1, yelling, you're going to look at me. You're going to look at me. Well, I don't know about you, but when people are screaming at you, what do you end up doing? Not looking at them. You actually don't look at them because you're like, good yeah. Lord, I'm done. Mm -hmm. So she very smartly said, I'm not looking at you. I don't want to look at you. Uh, you don't deserve to have me looking at you. And probably she was saying, I don't want to look at you because he was he was like pointing and sense. The next thing I know, he's out on the court in position one. With his folder threw it on the ground, is now throwing his papers into the air. What? Like, like what's that going to I'm not sure even, I was looking solve? at him going, I was just starting to walk on into the court because my R2 was shocked. Like he froze. He was like, what's going on? And then I said, nope, this is not a referee's duty. This is, this is not a referee's job to handle this. This is no. beyond their duties. So I walked right on the court and I literally go, and by the way, I'm looking up at this guy because he's about six, five, as he stood up to throw his papers into the air, screaming the entire time, you're going to look at me. I walked up to him and I said, sir, what are you doing? And I'm looking up, I go, sir, what are you doing? And I had to wave because he was so like incensed. He couldn't even like, he didn't even recognize it was in front of him. And then all of a sudden he realized I was there. And I said, you're embarrassing me and yourself right now. And everybody here, what are you doing? And then all he said to me is, she's going to look at me. And I went, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. And I'm asking you to leave now. I said, I'm, you're, you're gone from the match. And uh, I said, and this behavior is completely unacceptable, regardless of what she's doing. And I've never had that happen in my whole life. And this is the element. I'm, and I was talking to his two assistants as that took over. I said, where in a thousand years does he think by doing this to these two people, that's going to help. And these two people may never come back. And who do you think is going to come in behind them? Better people? No. 
We're going to lose two good people. And they mm-hmm. were good. And uh, so it's something that I wish all of us, I wish the assistant coach, I mean, this is what I would have done. If that would have been you, Stephen, as my head coach, I would have grabbed you by the back of the shirt. Since Stephen, you lost your mind. Sit down yeah. and Clarence and I, because you have yeah. lost your mind. Absolutely. And uh, right now that isn't happening. Uh, parents aren't managing each other, which they should. Coaches aren't managing each other and they should. And I, this year, by the way, I had one little girl comes, come up to me and I, and I said something, I walked behind the head coach and I said, Hey, one of your parents is being bad. And the, and the parent or the coach, this is true story at juniors girls, the girl, the the coach yelled out to the little girl older, about 15 said, Hey, um, your dad. And she literally goes, I'll take care of it. She, this is in the mat. She walks over to her dad and said, enough came back and she goes taken care of. And I almost passed awesome. out. I'm like, I go, you guys have got this figured out on yep. this team. He goes, no, no, we don't tolerate this with our, our parents. Oh, so it was, it was just great. And I, you know, I just think we've all coaches and, 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 uh, and kind of the outside group have to step in because referees can't do it themselves. No, there's just too many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Referees are just as much as part of the volleyball community as a coach and athlete parents, you know, we're all in it together. So we are all in it together Mm -hmm. and the behavior on the court, we're all in it together. And and playing is just completely different than officiating. Like just the amount of attention to detail you have to pay. I remember my first time just jumping in to help, uh, you know, officiate a, a league team. And it's just, it's not the same. It's, it's, it's just a level of just intensity and tension. That's just always there. You don't want to mess up. You got to be perfect, but you know, nobody's perfect. That's just the reality of it. And, you know, I always try to remember like those personal experiences and just remember, you know, what I want someone talking to me like this, what I want to go through this. And, you know, I coach myself on the middle school level and I've seen coaches just explode at it, at an official. I'm like, what, what are you doing? First of all, this is middle school. What example are you setting for these players? What example are you setting for the school you're coaching at? And it's just, it is just insane what people just forget and people forget who they're talking to that they're talking to people and you know, i think you really made up some some uh, some great points there but it's just yeah it's it's not easy no and, and people say well it's got to be at the elite level no I, I still remember coming back from the olympics in rio i had just got done roughing um uh two major teams at the olympic games uh one of them serbia very intense coach and uh, i remember i came back and the next weekend there was a little um a Catholic archdiocese middle school event happening here that was volunteer. And one of the uh, referees couldn't go. So uh, what the woman knows me say, Hey, Patty, no, no, I know you just got back from Rio, but could, are you open Saturday to rep? Cause we lost a rep. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it'd be a blast. So I went and I had my first match where a coach walked off, walked from the bench to the stand and started yelling at me. And unfortunately I burst into laughter. Um, I really felt bad about that, but I burst into laughter because I thought it was hilarious that five days before I was refing Serbia and Serbia didn't come across and yell at me. But now I've got a, a fifth grade archdiocese Catholic league coach coming across and telling me he's the worst ref he's ever seen in his whole life and that uh, I should go home. So I got off the stand, told him to wait a minute. And I started walking away saying, I got to find that director. And I said, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. So you're right, Clarence. Doesn't matter where you are. Um, it's just something we all have to work towards. And I do think the loving kindness, empathy, and compassion element has to come into play if we want to work to get the best referees in the country. And I mean this in the sense that we're trying to get your own kids to referee. The club coach, the club players are the, you know, I was a club player. That's why I'm refing. And I keep saying to these folks, I said, you know that you're hurting these kids' abilities to make a living. You can make uh, uh you can make an incredible amount of money on the side 
out of a you know, full-time job or maybe even full-time and help pay for college, help pay for some of these uh, little bills. If you go and pay, do start refing college, collegiate, especially at the higher division one levels, the, it, you know, it's pretty good pay in a night. And yet you're denying these women and men who are playing collegiately that maybe don't want to coach because they don't want that big of a commitment. And then they can ref on the side and really have a great time and, um, and understand the game way better than somebody continuing. Uh, uh, into the game. And that's unfortunate. You know, we want kids to continue into the game. That's awesome. Patty, I feel like we could just talk to you forever. Like we literally, need, I think we could have a whole podcast series, like just six episodes in a row with you. This is amazing. <laughs> How to change the world of volleyball. Yeah. One yeah. coach, player and rep at a time. Is I love what it would it. be. I love, love and kind. Yeah. That's all we need. Um, before we end, uh, we did get a chance to, um, ask some fans, uh, for some questions. So we wanted to run those by you, uh, kind of before we wrap up here. So I'll start with the first one. We got Trisha C uh, and she asked, who is the most famous person you've met while officiating? Okay. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. We broke up a little bit here at the end. Yeah. Yeah. This is from Trisha C who is the most famous person you've met while officiating. Oh my gosh. No, I've met so many famous people, you guys. <laughs> I mean, really, like in airports, a Kevin Bacon once I met one morning. Oh, so cool. He's coming off of a, a show because um, uh, he sings. You guys realize he has yep. his own band. He was coming yep. off of a show. I met the big show. I will tell you that. The big show, the the um, the wrestling. I'm telling you what. Wow. I sat next to him. As, yes, we sat, <laughs> next, we sat next to each other. And we were, I said, because uh, I right, right away I was just, I loved um, him. I on the plane? Him or? You sat, next, you sat next to him on the plane? Uh, in the airport. Oh, Not in the, in the plane, because I tell you what, he takes up like an entire row. I was going to say, <laughs> how, how did that layout look? <laughs> no, I'm telling you, uh, he was, I've never seen a bigger man in my whole life. He actually said to me that it's very, he, he actually said that it's so painful to, uh, to, to, to do it because he's such a big guy. He was talking about all his aches and pains. It was hilarious. He goes, Oh my God, I'm in so much pain. I said, you're heading home. He goes, yeah, I'm going home to see my wife. I got a little time off. Hopefully I can heal. That was a riot. But I, I would guess the most interesting one that I've ever met is I met Boris Yeltsin, the first freely elected president of Russia. I was at the Boris Yeltsin Cup and he was coming out to give um, the awards and the medal. And he saw the referee me and uh, it was really interesting because he saw me and he was just like, oh my gosh, it's a girl. And he just reached out and gave me a hug, kissed me on the cheek. And then we took a giant photo and it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Wow. So cool. (laughs) That is insane. Yeah. yeah, Most of the crew probably doesn't know Boris Yeltsin, but he was a, he was a big player back in the, he was like Putin, Putin Mm. of his day. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good connection there too. All right. So next question from Tony S. What goes through your mind when you make a mistake while officiating and how can we encourage spectators at the junior levels to treat officials with respect? I feel like we touched on this a little bit, but yeah, good no. to revisit it. Yeah, no, it was like when I was working with my niece this weekend, you know, she was uh, she was really stressed out about missing serves. And I was trying to tell her, you know, I get really I mean, I actually do get stressed out. But again, it's that self-talk. I mean, all of us have self-talk issues. You know, you're not happy about something. Maybe something isn't going the way you want. And you're like, dang it. You know, why this? Why that? Um, You know, maybe you're in an interview. Maybe you're playing. You know, there's I am no different. 
I mean, people think, well, you look so cool. And I said, there's a lot happening inside the brain right now. Um, I still remember when I had that Canada-Venezuela game. I was R1. I'm going to be very straightforward. If you go watch the game, you'll see a play. Uh, and remember, there's a little bit of an imbalance here with, between Venezuela and Canada. And there was a play on, on my right. The outside hitter was really near me. And I was still a little jacked up. I was like, ah, finally, finally. We're getting to do this, right? And this guy jumped and and went to attack the ball, but he reached, and by the way, you cannot reach into your opponent's space. So you cannot reach beyond the plane into your own mm -hmm. opponent's space. And I swear to God, I thought the Venezuela blocker was gonna get up there, but he didn't, he wasn't big enough. And all of a sudden, this Canadian guy is like way over on the wrong side. He's got his hand on the ball and he threw it straight down. And I remember thinking, oh my God, oh my God, you can't do that. But my whistle didn't go off. Something happened to my whistle. I still don't kind of figure it out. It was hilarious. I went, no, 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 you can't do that. But I was thinking it, but I didn't blow my whistle. And then all of a sudden, and then I, I grabbed on. And by the way, sometimes we'll grab onto the referee stand to kind of like gather ourselves. So mm. I grabbed onto the referee stand going, oh, crap, what do I do now? Because the ball's now on the floor. Do I blow a late whistle or do I just forget about it and pretend it never happened? Because the ball's already down, right? Mm -hmm. But it's it. But you have to blow your whistle. Well, thank God at that same moment, my R2 called a net on him because he was so far over the net that he actually hit the net. So he called a net right as the ball hit the floor. And then I was like, I looked over at him and we have headsets. And I said, thank you so much. <laughs> and he goes, I gotcha. He goes, I gotcha, Patty. And oh, I, I go, that. and then I, I issued the ball and I go, my gosh, I, I needed to call reaching over. He goes, no worries. I gotcha. So again, that crew relationship, his kindness towards me. And then I forgave myself. This is the element. You got to kind of forgive yourself and then boom, onto the next deal. Right. So, you know, we talk about that with players is I have those moments and I think it's a self-talk element. I keep telling people you're initially going to have negative self-talk, particularly me, because it's in my culture. And I grew up in Midwest, you know, I'm a Catholic, you know, our thing is, you know, whip yourself about seven times first and then you move on. Now I only kind of whack myself once and then I try to move on quickly. So, you know, you got to keep positive self-talk because one thing that's beautiful about who we are is that the next the next thing's coming and you got to be ready for it. So awesome. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, we have uh, our next questions from Micah F. I respect you so much as a woman in officiating. I sometimes struggle with maintaining confidence as a young female official, sometimes face coaches and players questioning my competency. How do you maintain confidence, calmness while on the stand? Okay. I, you know, I think this is a great question. Again, my niece and I talked about it. We all have different techniques, right? We all have different techniques that work for us. I, I think when people try to say, Hey, do this. Um, I don't know necessarily. I think that's a great concept, but I would say, I give people my two cents. This is what I do. I actually work on my breathing. I actually hold on to the stand for a second. When I feel tension, rather than like, um, tensing my whole body, I grab onto the stand and that gives me a kind of like, it grounds my feet. I don't have a moment where I can think or I move on and do something. So, you know, my advice to you would be, you've got to figure out in those moments and it doesn't matter where you are, you'll be driving and you'll use that technique and you use the same technique when you're officiating. Take a, I always say breathing is important. Uh, everywhere I read, when you hear, read about counseling, when you read about empathy, when you read about dealing with, you know, somebody yelling at you, take a deep breath and then um, take a moment and just move forward. Officiating, you can't take too many moments because the ball is flying around on you. That's the only problem with that technique. But take a deep breath. And then I always say better to do nothing than something. And I know that's kind of strange, but in officiating, you really want to just let play continue if you're not sure. And especially in ball handling, people talk about doubles. I say, if you're not sure about a double, let it go. You're letting play continue. 
kids get to keep playing. Um, and the reality is the more you officiate, the more you're going to get comfortable about officiating. It's it's like you guys. I mean, you guys are putting on this uh, this podcast. I'm sure your per- first podcast was a little challenging. Your second podcast got better. And then you get better the more you interview people. I get better the more I talk in interviews. So officiating is the same way. When you start, it's going to be you, you can't get past the learning curve. People say, well, I want to be good faster. I, I'm sorry, but it's like being a player. You can't become a great player unless you play you got to play a lot. So, you know, the key is to stay grounded. And I would also say the final thing I'd say when people are questioning your integrity, your ability, your whatever, you got to just say, you know, I use other words, but this is a public event here. So I gotta be careful, (laughs) but I, in my, my mind, I say, you know, what you say doesn't matter. Uh, I need to talk to myself knowing that I'm a good official um, if I'm not, and, I, and there are times I'll be in a big game. And I mean, like I said, the Olympics, I say to myself, not my best game, but you know what? It was good enough. And I'm going to get better on the next one because you can't be great. Just like an athlete, just like you, like you saw the U S men's team, right? They worked so hard, but there were some games they didn't play great. They had, they had moments where they had four. I mean, I think I saw one game where I thought five missed serves in a row, you know, it happens to everyone. So, you know, as a referee, it's going to happen to you. You're not going to have your best games, but don't be too hard on yourself. Watch the best athletes in the world and watch how they recover. They keep playing. They know they're going to get better. And referees have to say the same things to themselves. That's some that's some good advice. That's some really good life advice there. It applies, like you said, it applies everywhere. So yes. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, just want to say thank you for taking the time to answer all those uh, questions from our fans across social media and stuff. And here we go. Patty. Yes, sir. Somebody wants to become an official. Somebody wants to start that journey. How do they become an official? What steps do they need to take? Very easy. The, the easiest thing you can do is look my name up on USA Volume and send me an email. That's all you need to do. Easy. Pretty done. Simple. Email yeah. Patty. Check. Email Patty. <laughs> P-A-T-I dot R-O-L-F at USAV.org. Just email me. And I can send that email off to the right region. So there's 40 regions, remember, folks out there. There's 40 regions, whether you're a kid. Remember, if you're if you're a parent or a coach listening, you've got a 17-year-old kid that thinks, hey, They'd like to make six, seven, eight hundred, six or eight hundred dollars on a weekend officiating as an 18 year old. I could never have made that back in the day. And uh, we will send you like so let's say you're in the Rocky Mountain region. They have a ton of events. 16, 17, 18 year olds can referee. So let's say you're 16. Maybe you'd refer a 12s event. We'll get your name over to Rocky Mountain officials chair and they'll get in contact with you. Or just if you if you know where you live and you know your region, just go to your region's website. Find your officials chair and send them a note and say, hey, I really want to become an official. I'm serious about this. Please contact it, Matt, contact me. And we meet with all the officials chairs once a month and they have promised to reach back to you. If you find that they are not following up with you, email me and then we'll we'll get back with him. Because remember, you have loving kindness as well. Because some of these folks are living multiple lives. They're, they're working multiple jobs and it's not easy. And sometimes they lose an email. So don't be too hard with you and, and uh, find you a place to go uh, where you can referee. Patty.roth at USAB.org. Email her. Yes. Yeah, email me. <laughs> yeah, Please. that's awesome. Patty, thank yeah. you so much. Um, you mentioned earlier that you, uh, after Tokyo, you're planning on retirement. Any, any big yes, plans? I'm, I'm retired right now. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally the day it ended is the day um, like that was my in fact, the boss, my boss or supervisor said to everybody, Patty's not retired. 
And I want to, you know, I want to, you know, thank her and a bunch of other, there was a bunch of us that retired. No, I've already actually, I was selected to be, it's really exciting. Actually, I was selected to be on the FIVB referee in the rules of the games commission. Oh, I did see so that. Congratulations. I'm, yeah, no, it was really exciting. I, um, there, I think it's going to be a real great opportunity to be I'm moving into the kind of the coaching role. So I'll be coaching now the, the international referees and uh, are being kind of what they call referee coaches. So I'm excited about being involved on that end and really um, hopefully being able to be a part of a cool team of people that are are helping to support these amazing referees that are are trying to do like full-time jobs and the refing and the travel. And, yeah. and I'm looking forward to that. And I still ref in college, you know, you might see me on a, a TV game here and there, or maybe at a little local, a local college uh, here in Wisconsin, but still doing that on the weekend, which is nice. I, I enjoy being out there with the players, you know, otherwise we'd be sitting behind the desk all day and, you know, you, you guys like to yep. get out too. And it's nice, nice to get out. So uh, that's kind of my focus now between um, the director of officials and, uh, and just helping thing, helping people out. That's so cool. Congratulations again. I, I'm sorry. I completely forgot that, no, to mention okay. that earlier. It's uh, new. It's so that. new. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, Patty, we've had you for like an hour now. Sorry. for <laughs> We kind of went over a little bit, but uh, like I said, we're going to have to definitely bring you on again soon uh, to talk more, uh, maybe make a series out of it or something, because uh, you got a lot to say and I really enjoy your stories. Me too. <laughs> no, and I think I, what I think is really important is that there's so much that relates to officiating that relates to life, right? You know, yeah. life, life, life's tough right now for a lot of people. Um, and uh, I think, you know, there's a way to kind of, for all of us to start processing some of these challenges that we're facing and how to be, and I would say more gentle with ourselves, now, you know, like the woman that said, you know, people are coming down on me. How do I, you know, how do I move forward? Well, it starts with you. You have to be gentle with yourself. When you hear those outside things, you got to say, no, it's okay. I know, I know who I am. You know, I'm not perfect, but uh, I enjoy being here and, and I'm not going to let these influences happen. And I hear the voices of the people that say, Patty, we appreciate you being here. That is something that's super important. Um, but we all work on it. People say, man, Patty, you're so this. I said, that is not true. I have, you know, I have my own self-doubt. I just show you my best. You see my best face when you're watching me rap, but inside other things are happening. And I, and I try to be brutal. I try to be honest with people and people say, well, how are you feeling now there? I, I try to be honest because people need to know that the folks that are up on those stands at those games, they have their own struggles and uh, you're just not seeing it. I see it because afterwards we chat. They say to me, oh, my God, this was tough, Patty. Ooh, I screwed this one up or oh, I didn't do this or I said the wrong thing to the coach here. You guys don't get to hear about that. Just like uh, coaches, coaches know they make mistakes. They talk to their colleagues about what they should have di done differently. But the kids don't hear it or the parents don't hear it. So I think these are all elements that from a global perspective of volleyball really has to be talked about, because as you guys are know, like you, you guys have an amazing job. So there's many opportunities for people to be involved in the sport at so many unique levels. Yeah. And most of the kids don't know anything about these cool jobs. Yeah, there, there is a lot. Um, I, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be involved in with volleyball, uh, other than being an athlete. Um, yes. Uh, and a lot of really cool jobs, like you said. Yeah. not only ball, but I mean, like, like we talked and, about me and my coordinator, yeah. I many of you guys aren't aware of my coordinator, but he's off now at Oregon working with the volleyball program, but he's wanting to work with all sports and yeah, you know there's exactly. so many cool jobs in other sports too um and i think the more we get our young people men and women that are playing volleyball playing basketball in the media uh all these television i mean there's just so many great ways to stay involved that can pay that can that you can make a living off of or that could be a fun side job um and that's super duper enjoyable well uh patty we're at the end here i um 
I don't want to over, so over flood your uh, your inbox, but is that somewhere where people can can reach out to you and ask questions uh, if they have yes. them? Yes, All right. absolutely. at usab.org. Patty, thank you so much uh, for sitting down with us and we'll see you soon, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks guys. Peace out. Great right. seeing you. Bye, Patty. Right, thank bye -bye. you, Patty. Wow. Like pure gold, that conversation with Patty. And it always is like when we, when we are able to talk to her at events and stuff, just, I, I know you do, but I love just hearing her stories. Uh, they're just so captivating and, and I know she's just a great speaker. <laughs> and, and it'll be about just like literally any part like like not even the biggest part of like being at the Olympics. She'll talk about the people she met on the way to the airport and she'll just show you pictures and have a story for every individual and just like remember them like name for name, all that stuff too. She's just uh like we said before, a trailblazer, just a, a wonderful person. Yeah, I loved what she said about bringing love and kindness to officiating. And I think really that just kind of fits as a theme for this episode and, and everything that Patty talked about. Um, the, the story of the parent yelling uh, at the official from the stands sticks out for me. Uh, the club coach kind of just looked over to the player and the player's mm -hmm. like, I got it. Mm -hmm. I got it coach. And just went up to the bleachers and told her dad to cut it out. And I think that's just an example of, you know, what, coaches, club coaches, school coaches should do, should handle those, um, situations should approach those situations with their players. Um, you know, telling them that officials are people too. They're not here. They're not after you. They're not out here to, to go after you and, and make bad calls. They're, they're trying to make the game better too. Um, and mm -hmm. they're just as much part of the game as an athlete, a coach, a parent is. Absolutely. And just to really touch base real quick on, you know, just her reaction and how she took uh, a lot of that, not criticism, but those intense moments when she, uh, you know, was kind of not called out. But remember when that player, uh, you know, started John at the other player, oh, yeah. he pointed at her and said, you know, you don't know you weren't there. And like, you know, that's she took that and being, you know, in an inter international match, you don't really know what's going on with what you're not really you know, aware of and not around every day. And she took that. I was like, hang on. OK, let me take a step back here and and, you know, evaluate the situation there. And that's just a really good judgment call there. And that's like, you know, who 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 who, who can think on their feet like that? Just at the snap of a finger or, you know, flick of a wrist, whatever. It's just insane. Keep your composure yeah, like that. So cool. Yeah, definitely. And you know, just another great story from Patty too. And this isn't going to be the last time we bring Patty on Absolutely the podcast not. for sure. Like I think we said earlier, um, we're going to make a, we're going to make this a series. We're going to, she's going to be a recurring guest for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I know she's, you know, congratulations again to Patty on, on retirement uh, from officiating. Uh, she's a very, she's still a very busy individual too. So we're very lucky to be able to talk to Patty. So thank you again, Patty, for coming on the show. Um, but let's, um, we're running long here. This is, this was a hefty episode, but mm -hmm. thank you guys. Thank you listeners for sticking with us through it. Um, 
don't have a ton going on right now uh, in our upcoming events. Um, but just, <laughs> I'm looking uh, at the list now. I'm just like, hey, yeah, October is so a little busy. bit lighter. October is <laughs> a little bit lighter. Yeah, yeah, spooky season. That's right. Um, but you know, the USA Volleyball Beach Tour continues. So good luck to everyone competing on the tour. Um, you know, this kind of school seasons kind of vary throughout the country. Um, so you might be approaching the end of your season. But good luck to everyone. Uh, still competing in their school season and getting ready for those championship tournaments. Mm -hmm. School season too. And then club season be right around the corner coming up right. towards the end too. So stay tuned. Like you said, good luck to everyone. And reminder, listeners, you can rate, review, share, talk about it with your friends, family, acquaintances, anybody you would like. It really helps our podcast grow. And again, reach new listeners like we're always trying to do. We see the support come through every day, every week, every other week when the podcast drops and we appreciate it remember you can always uh reach us email us at the usav show at usav.org for feedback future episode topics whatever you want to tell us about and talk to us about we're listening and we will do our best to get back to you remember every episode drops every other wednesday and until next time thank you for tuning in to episode 19 of the usa volleyball show we are the official podcast of usa volleyball this has been the USA Volleyball Show with Clarence Hughes and Stephen Munson. Produced by Curtis Ward. Our content producers are Kyle Scholzen and Laura Fawcett. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate and review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the USA Volleyball Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.